passage we're going to focus on tonight is, is in 2 Kings 4, but there's an important parallel passage uh, to, this, to this text in 2 Kings 4, and that's found in Luke 7, in Luke 7 verse 11. So in 2 Kings 4, Elisha, the prophet of God, he raises, the, raises from the dead a young boy, and he does this in a place called Shunem. And in Luke 7, Jesus, he also raises a boy from the dead in a place called Nain. And Nain, it is very close to Shunem. Uh, it might even be the exact same place. And for Israel, when they tell stories, places have a huge amount of significance. So, so the people in Nain at the time that Jesus raises this boy from the dead, they understand that it is Jesus Christ who is fulfilling what has happened in 2 Kings 4. So let's read Luke 7 verse 7 to get sorry Luke 7 verse 11 together. Luke 7 verse 11. Now it happened the day after that he that's Jesus he went into a city called Nain and many of his disciples went with him and a loud, large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. So along with that, we're going to read from 2 Kings 4, verse 8. 2 Kings 4, verse 8. We'll read uh, some of the works of, of Elisha, how he raises the uh, dead son to life. 2 Kings 4, verse 8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. And she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. 
So he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, Call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, About this time next year you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father's, to the reapers, and he went and he said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to a servant, Carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, Why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, It is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to, to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And so it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, Did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him, and if anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child laying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came in to him, he said, Pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet and bowed to the, gro bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out.
And as a, for a bit of focus in this chapter, we'll read again verses 32 to 35, which will, be, uh, which will act as our text for today. Verse 32, when Elisha came into the house, there was the child laying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. And the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, has anyone ever promised you something and then not followed up on that promise? Has anyone been adamant that they were going to do something for you and then never ended up doing it? We live in a sinful world. We are sinful people and we are weak people. So sometimes things like this happen to us. We don't always keep our promises and others, they don't always keep their promises to us. But God, God isn't like that. He is always faithful to his promises. What he says he will do, that he will do. And he teaches us that in his name, Yahweh, which means I am who I am. I will be who I will be. God will deliver on his promises. We know this about God. We know that what he says he will do, that he will do. And that is a good thing because our God, he is a good God. But even though we know that, even though that truth can be on our hearts, we can still wonder, we can still doubt. Sometimes the present realities of this life, like sickness and shame, sin, even death, these realities in our life, they, they cause us not to see God as a good and faithful Father, but instead he can, sometimes he can feel cold and distant. Sometimes he can feel like a God who doesn't care for us. And we feel that he isn't that close. Our present realities, they don't always seem to line up with the promises that he gives us. Promises to guide us, to love us, to be with us always in all things. We can understand that this is the situation the, situation the Shunammite woman finds herself in 2 Kings 4. She has been promised a son. She has been promised a child from the Lord. And she receives this child. Only for him to be taken away again. While he is still young even. A situation which would have made her say, Why Lord? What about the promise that you made to me? You gave me this son. You promised him to me. Why? Why did you take him away? It's a terrible thing to go through. We don't always understand the ways of the Lord. But his ways, they are higher than our ways. And his plans, they're better than our plans. And, and in this chapter, we will see that God, he does have a plan. He sends his servant, Elisha, to bring her son back from the dead. Though it's not the power of Elisha, 
that brings this young boy from, back from the dead. It is the power of God because only God can bring people back to life. In this passage, Elisha, he is foreshadowing, he's foreshadowing the power of God in Jesus Christ, the one who was both man and God. The man, the whole Old Testament, and this passage too, they're all pointing towards Jesus. It is he who has the power to give new life. And that is what we'll see today under this theme. God gives new life. God gives new life. Elisha, he foreshadows the resurrecting work of Christ and we'll see the hope, the hope that is given to this Shunammite woman. And we'll see the hindrance that she faces and we'll see the healing that God gives, that God brings to her in the resurrection of her son. So the first thing that we're going to look at in this passage is the hope. It's the hope that Elisha gives. The hope of new life, the promise of a child. This was the promise of God to this Shunammite woman. She was a notable woman, our text says. She was wealthy. She had a good reputation. She was a woman that people looked up to. And she had been blessed by God. And she uses these gifts, the blessings that God has given her for the service of God's kingdom. She knew that Elisha traveled through the area often and she was able to help him out, giving him food, giving him a place to sleep. And she did this for Elisha because it says in our text that Elisha was a holy man of God. So this woman displays hospitality, radical hospitality for Elisha because he is God's servant. She's doing it for the service of God. She goes to all stops. She she sets up a room. It's got all the features, a bed, a lamp, a chair, everything that Elisha would need. What an awesome display of of using all that we have, all that she has for the the service of God. And that's encouraging, isn't it? It's it's an encouraging example of of hospitality. It's an example that we can uh, aspire to. Inviting people into our homes, giving people our food to eat, It isn't always easy. It it takes time. It takes effort. But when we start to see the food that we eat, the homes that we live in, the church that we worship in, when we start seeing all these things which God has given us as opportunities for the furtherance of the gospel, we're seeing them in a good way. And that is what the Shunammite woman was doing. And it was her hospitality. It was hospitality like this which pleased God. That is why... He delighted in giving this woman woman a reward. She hosted the man of God, God's messenger and ambassador, a man who wasn't important in and of himself, but he was important because of the task that he had. He was God's mouthpiece. He was God's mouthpiece to the world. We can see that this woman and her husband, they had so much respect for the word of God. During this time, there weren't many faithful prophets in Israel. So when, when they saw Elisha, when they saw that he was a faithful prophet who was bringing the word of God to God's people, they, they jumped on the opportunity to help him out. They were hungering for the word. They realized the need Israel had for the word. That is why they helped the prophet of the Lord out. The word is so important. It's the means by which we learn about Jesus Christ It's the way the Spirit works in us to transform our hearts. Through the Word. Through the preaching of the Word. 
And so they saw the need for that word. Are we, are we also seeing that same need for the word? Are we hungering for the word just like, like the Shunammite woman and her, her husband uh, were? Because if we receive the word, if we receive the preaching of the word, we receive Jesus and we also receive the Father in heaven. That is what Jesus told his disciples, servants of God, just like Elisha. That's what he told them in Matthew 10. In Matthew 10, Jesus says this, He who receives you receives me, and who, he who receives me receives him who sent me. And then he goes on to say something else, which is also profound. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And so the Shunammite woman, by receiving this prophet, she receives a reward. She didn't know this. It wasn't her incentive. That's not why she, she uh, hosted the prophet. But she desired to serve God, and out of her service for him, she received the prophet. And because of that, she is blessed. She's blessed with a reward. Elisha tells her, Look, look, you've been so concerned for me. You've been concerned for us with all of this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king, to the commander of the army? The king and the commander of the army, they're, they're the most powerful people in the land. They could offer protection, tax-free status, and in times of, of famine, in times of war, they could be given special treatment. But the woman, as, a, as an answer to this to this offer. She doesn't say, no, thank you, Elisha. Instead, she says something that's even more profound. She says, I dwell with my people. I dwell with my people. She doesn't need any extra help from the government. She doesn't need extra money or extra protection or extra company because she has her people. She dwells with them, she says. See, God, he places us in communities. He places us, on, places us in church communities where we gather together not only to worship him, but also to fellowship with one another, to mourn together, to rejoice together, to share each other's burdens, to help each other out. Do you feel this? The church, it's here for you. It's there for you. Will you allow them to help you and to encourage you? And as a church, are we striving uh, to serve God by caring for, for the other members of the congregation? This, this response, I dwell with my people, it should be our response too. We shouldn't need to find help elsewhere. We, should, we dwell with God's people. So instead of giving this reward, the reward of uh, a word to the, to the king, to the commander of the army, Elisha gives her a different reward. It's a, not a reward she asked for, but it's something that she desired far more than silver or gold or protection. But it wasn't something that anything else, anyone else could give her because it, because it is God alone who can grant new life. She desired a child. So Elisha, Elisha promises her a child. She can hardly believe it. Humanly speaking, she wasn't able to have children. Humanly speaking, that she had no hope of ever having a child. 
Yet God, he shows us again here that he has the power to do the extraordinary. Humanly speaking doesn't apply to him. He is faithful to his promises, even when we couldn't imagine that they could ever come about. Sarah, Hannah, the mother of Samson, Elizabeth, all of them experienced this. God promised them all children when no one else would believe, when they themselves didn't believe that they could have children. But God, he gives them all children when no one else thought it was possible. They all receive them as gifts from God, as all children are. All children are gifts from above, every single one. And the hope, this promise, this hope of new life that God gives to this mother, it's truly a gift from above. God is faithful to his promises. He said he would give this lady a son, and he does. At the appointed time, she receives a precious boy. What God says he will do, that he will do. And that gives us hope, doesn't it? What has God promised to you? He has given us a hope far, far, far greater than the promise of a child. And what he says he will do, that he will do. Our hope it has a solid foundation. God says to you, God says to everyone here, I have sent my son into the world, my only son. And if you believe in him, you will receive the promise and you will have hope. And this is the promise that although you are sinful, although you are weak, the blood of Jesus, it covers it all. He has paid the price for your sins on the cross. You will be his, you will be mine. If you believe, you will receive salvation in his name. That is your hope. That is our hope. We can have hope. That's what God has promised. And, and throughout the entire Old Testament, in this passage too, he has been faithful. He has been true to his word. A son has been born. A child has been given. Do you believe that God is faithful to his promises to you as well? Will you believe in the promise of salvation in Jesus Christ? He gives us hope so that we come to him. So believe in Jesus Christ because God has given us a son. He is faithful to his promises. It's a glorious, it's a, it really is, it's a glorious hope that we have. That we have a faithful God who is true to his promises to us. But there are moments on our journey when we're following the Lord when we don't understand his purposes in what is happening in our lives, where there are hindrances, where there are hindrances to the hope that he has given us, where there seems to be no reason for the suffering that we feel, when we're tempted to believe that God doesn't know what we are going through. It doesn't always seem to us that God keeps his promises. It doesn't always seem like we are blessed for following God. When we face sickness, broken relationships, when we desperately want a child, when we desperately desire a child, but God doesn't give in, give to our request. When we lose a loved one. Sometimes we can, we can throw our hands up in the air and say, Why, God, I am living for you, Lord. Why are these bad things happening to me? Where is this hope that you have promised? Why is there a hindrance to the hope that you have given me? 
And that's what the Shunammite woman experiences. Her, her young son, the one promised to her by Elisha, given by God, he's out in the fields during harvest time. His head, it starts to hurt and he cries out in pain, my head, my head. And then he's carried to his mother. He sits on her lap, his mother comforting her. But something's not right. You know something's not right when a young boy sits on his mother's lap, quiet, not saying anything, not moving. And we read, we read that this young boy, he died. This isn't, this isn't a made-up story. This actually happened. This young man, this boy, he died in his mother's arms. There's death. There's despair. Where is the promise? What is God's plan in this? This woman, she never, she never asked for the child. She, she desperately wanted him, but she never asked for him. Why did God do this? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been better if, if God didn't give her this child at all? Then she wouldn't have had to face all this, all this sadness, all this despair. Why would God, a good God, do something like this? We don't always know the purposes of God. We don't always understand his plans. But it is worth asking the question, when we face situations like this, when things don't seem to make sense, when our eyes, when they're full of tears, when our souls refuse to be comforted, when our hearts are lowly, where do we go? What do we do? And who do we seek? Psalm 77, which we sang before we read, read the word of God, it speaks of this type of situation. It talks about our eyelids not, not being, uh, being, kept all up, uh, being kept open all night long. It talks about being troubled and overwhelmed when we can't seem to be comforted. In this psalm, the psalmist cries out to God, and he, yeah, he goes to God. For God, he is the only one that can help in a situation like this. So the psalmist pours his heart out to God. He tells him that he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand God's way. He doesn't understand what is happening to him. And then he reflects. He reflects on what God has done throughout the history of the world, throughout redemptive history. God is a God of great works, of great wonders. And he has loved his people so much throughout the entire history of the church and the entire history of the world. He led them out of Egypt. There were moments on that journey too when the people grumbled. They didn't understand what was going on. But he led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and into the promised land. And more than that, he sent his son to the cross, his only son. Jesus was crucified in God's plan for us so that we can have hope despite the trials that we face, despite the hindrances to the hope that we have. So beloved, in times like this, in times like this, are you seeking God? Are you reflecting on his goodness? Are you crying out to him, expressing your grief, your tears, your fears? 
God loves us. He wants us to be comforted. He wants us to find comfort in him so that we don't have to go through it alone. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to come to him in prayer, with our worries, with our cares. This is what the Holy Spirit teaches us in James 5. It says, Is is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. God desires us to seek him in times like this. And in a very real sense, that is what the Shunammite woman does in this passage. She is filled with despair, but she acts. She turns to God, she goes to the man of God, because God is the only one who can give new life. He's the only one that can do anything about this situation. And when we read what she does, we can really understand her mother's heart. She's trying everything for her child. She can't delay. She, she wants to go straight to the man of God. She tells her husband, she tells Gehazi, Elisha's servant, Shalom, peace, all is well. She says that to them. But all is not well. But she says this because she doesn't have time right now to talk to them. She needs to go to God straight away. So she tells the servant, don't slacken the pace. We need to get there quickly. This is a life or death situation. She goes to God. She goes to the man of God. There is nothing like a mother's heart for her child. And that's what we can see here. But we also see evidence of great faith. Despite all that has happened, she goes to God. And when she gets there, when she gets to the man of God, the man of God recognizes her distress. She understands that, he understands that she is going through something. But what he says in verse 27 is so profound. He says to his servant Gehazi, he says, Her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me. The Lord has not told me. Even Elisha, even the man of God, doesn't know what God's plan is in this. The the Lord doesn't, he doesn't always reveal to us his plans in every detail. So in those times it can be hard to trust him. The Shunammite woman, she's sad, she's distressed, and she's angry. She says, she says to Elisha, did I ask for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? She's angry, and she doesn't understand. Elisha, he also doesn't understand. Have you had situations like that in your life? When there's so much going on, you've got a mix of feelings, anger, sadness, Fear, disappointment, stress, and underlying all of that is just a desire to understand what God is doing in your life. If only we could understand, then we could get through it. If only we knew God's plans for our lives, then then the hardships wouldn't be so hard because we would know what's coming. If only we knew, it would all make so much more sense. And although we have that desire, we will not always understand. But there is one thing 
there is one thing that will never change. It's our hope and our it's that our hope and our only hope should be in God. The hope of new life it's been dashed. The Shunammite woman's child is dead. But we she too and us we can only find refuge in him in the one who has the power to create new life and to bring life back from the dead. We will soon see that Elisha is foreshadowing the work of Jesus. And things he does in this passage are showing us what Jesus is like, the power that he has. So when the mother says to Elisha in verse 30, she says, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. We can see this as her clinging to Christ. No matter what happens, despite the, despite the hardships and the burdens, even the death of her only son, she is still desiring to cling to Jesus. For Jesus alone can comfort her. Jesus alone can help her through this struggle. Loved, loved ones of Jesus Christ, isn't that such an encouragement? for us in our times of sadness when we don't understand when we feel angry at God for what is going on in our lives are we clinging to Jesus he's the only one who can give us true rest he's the only one that can give new life and that's what we're going to see in our next point so are you clinging to him Let's now take a look at the healing that takes place in this passage. It's not, it's not really a healing. It's not just a healing. It is so much more than that. It is a resurrection. God gives new life to a dead boy. That is something that only God can do. He delights in comforting his people, and so he gives healing. We read that Gehazi, he goes on ahead with the staff of Elisha. He lays it over the body of the boy. But for whatever reason, nothing happens. And he returns to Elisha and he returns to the woman. And he says, the child has not awakened. Some have speculated to why Gehazi failed in his task, why, why he couldn't heal the boy. Some have said, that he didn't have enough faith. Others say it wasn't his purpose in the first place. And others say he, he didn't have enough power. But one thing is true. And that is what we should take from this, from Gehazi's failure. It's that, it's not just, it's that not just anyone can give new life. It is God and only God who gives new life. Elisha, he's a type of Christ. He foreshadows Christ. He isn't Christ. He doesn't have the power of Christ. But he is a faint picture of the love, the compassion, and the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. He points us to him. And through the power of Christ, he can give new life. He goes into the room with the dead boy. And the first thing he does, it says in verse 33, says that he prayed. He prayed to God. Elisha, he's the holy man of God. He's, he's famous for, being, for, for his works, for what he has done for, uh, for the service of God. But without God, he couldn't do any of it. He could do nothing. 
So he prays to him. We read in James 5 about the power of prayer and how God wants us to pray during times of distress and sickness. It says in James 5 verse 15, The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. No matter how upright, no matter how holy we are, all of us need to rely on God for everything that we need. When you face hardships, when you try to, fi- try to fix something up in your life, are you doing it alone? Or are you doing it in prayerful dependence upon the Lord? We need Him. And so after praying, Elijah spreads out his, his uh, body upon the little boy. Mouth on mouth, eyes on eyes, hands on hands. And the child, he becomes warm. And when he does it again, the boy sneezes. He sneezes seven times. It's beyond a shadow of a doubt. He is alive. Seven is the number of fullness. A sneeze is a sign of life. God has raised this boy from the dead. He is fully alive. That is the power of God. He gives new life. And in this event, we can see the Son of God at work. It wasn't Elisha who raised the boy from the dead. It was Christ in him. All of this is pointing towards Jesus. That is why we read from Luke 7 before the before the sermon, there are so many parallels between these two accounts. Shunem and Nain, they are very, very close to each other, if not the very same city. And in Israel stories, they get associated with places. So those who lived in Nain, they would have known very well this story. When Jesus, when Jesus raises this boy from the dead... The crowds, they start making these connections. They say in Luke, in Luke 7, A great prophet has risen among us. And they say God has visited his people. The great prophet was Jesus Christ. He was the greater Elisha. He didn't have to pray to God because he was God. And his word, it was enough to heal the boy there. He had compassion on the mother. He, he said to her, Do not weep. And then he followed up by raising the boy from the dead. He rose her son from the dead. For God, he visited his people. And they could tell because it is God and only God who can give new life. It is God and only God who can raise from the dead. God visited this Shunammite woman in 2 Kings 4 promising her a son, giving her hope. And in her time of distress, in her time of despair, when there was a hindrance to that hope, he came and he visited and he renewed that hope. God visits his people to deliver on his promises, to help us in our weaknesses, to give us new life. For Jesus Christ, the God-man, he did indeed visit us. He visited his people. And during his earthly ministry, when he was visiting his people, he says to Martha, and he says to us in John 11, he says, 
I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And Jesus, you see, Jesus didn't just just raise people from the dead in his earthly ministry. It wasn't only that this young boy in 2 Kings 4 was raised from the dead and brought to life by the power of Jesus. It was by his own power that he too was resurrected when he conquered death, when he rose from the grave. He is the resurrection. He doesn't just resurrect. He is the resurrection. He is life. He takes away the everlasting pain of death. For although we may die, we shall live. If we believe in him, we shall never die. Do you know what that means? Do you see what God is telling us in 2 Kings 4? Yes, we have death. Yes, it's a terrible thing. And we can and we should cry and mourn when we lose loved ones. But we don't have to mourn forever. For God gives, his, gives new life through his son, Jesus Christ. The hindrances that we face to eternal life, to everlasting life, they're taken away by the blood of Jesus Christ. All because of God's mercy and grace toward us. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love for us, sorry, because of his great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raises us up, raises us up together and made us sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If Christ Jesus has the power to raise from the dead, if God has the power to give us new life, and if he has promised us to do so, how much hope do we have? How confident can we be that if we believe in him, he will raise us up to new life in him? Believe in Jesus Christ, cling to him, go to him. He is our hope, our only hope. He gives us new life. That was foreshadowed by the work through Elisha the prophet. That is what he completed on the cross at Calvary and as he rose again from the dead. He is the resurrection and he is life. Do you want him? Do you desire to have your sins washed away, to be made new, to receive new life? Do you want the sting, the painful sting of death, taken away Jesus is the only way as we get to the to the final verse of our text we see the response of the Shunammite woman after this miraculous healing after her son was raised from the dead we read that she came and fell at his feet she fell at Elisha's feet bowing to the ground if we see that this holy man of God, if we see that Elisha is foreshadowing Christ, this all makes sense. She is not worshipping Elisha. She is worshipping God. She is worshipping the power of Jesus Christ in Elisha. In her despair, in her grieving, in her anger, 
she said to Gehazi and she said to her husband, All is well. Shalom. Peace. She said this, but she didn't mean it. It wasn't true. But now life has been restored. She has peace in her heart. God is faithful to his promises. And she has that truth on her heart. She has true peace because God has resurrected her son. And now there's, there's this turnaround. She can say with full conviction, Shalom, peace, all is well. It is well with my soul. What a miracle. God gives new life and he gives us peace in our hearts. No matter what trials, no matter what hindrances we face, God gives us peace. And that deserves our worship, it deserves our praise. And is that your response? Is that our response to, to the new life that we receive in Jesus Christ? Are you showing gratitude to God for the new life you have in Christ Jesus? He deserves it, for he gives us hope. And even when we go through when we have hindrances to that hope, he, he helps us get through them. He gives us healing. He is the resurrection, He is the life. Jesus Christ is so compassionate, so loving, and so powerful. He gives.